You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of Special Reports on Legal Talk Network. This is Lawrence Coletti and I'm the host for today's show, which is being recorded on location at the American Bar Association's annual meeting in Chicago, Illinois. We're here to cover this event and its highlights for you, our listeners. And joining me now, I have three esteemed guests joining us today. I'm going to start to my right, Mr. Cleveland Patterson. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Mr. Scott Andreessen. Hey, thanks for having us. Also welcome. And Mr. Randy Kessler. Hi, good morning. Excellent. So before we get started, I just want, uh, for the benefit of our audience, to learn a little bit more about you. So where you work and what do you do? And since we started with uh, Cleveland Patterson, let's start back up again with you. <laughs> well, I am a, an assistant district attorney in uh, Mobile, Alabama. Excellent. Been there for about a year and uh, happy to be here. Great. Scott? I am a sports entertainment attorney based out of Chicago. I work for the firm of Andreessen Associates. Great. And Randy? I'm a divorce lawyer in Atlanta. We've got a firm of about 14 lawyers, nothing but family law. I'm also the past chair of the family law section of the American Bar, and I'm glad to be here. Excellent, excellent. So I brought you down to talk about, and this is a really long title. I'm going to blame Cleveland for this, I guess. (laughs) So here's the title. It's called Domestic Violence in Professional Sports, a Discussion on the Future of Professional Athletes that are Accused of Domestic Violence. So obviously this has been a topic in the news, and uh, that's why I wanted to bring you down to discuss this matter. And so it's really curious when I saw it on the agenda for the ABA. And so uh, I'm looking for a volunteer here. Can somebody give me the 50,000 foot on it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a topic that's received a lot of awareness lately. It's it's definitely not a new issue. Uh, the issue of domestic violence, whether inside of sports or out, has been something that's been going on, you know, probably since a week after Adam and Eve were put in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's an issue now with a number of high profile cases in the NFL, whether it's Ray Rice or Adrian Peterson, that's receiving a lot of public awareness, public scrutiny. And I and you know, thankfully I think there's been a, a call from the public at large to do something about the issue. Yeah, I agreed, agreed. And so uh, now your was this a panel discussion or did you each have individual presentations within it? How, how was it structured? Cleveland put it together and he was the host and the moderator and then okay. there were Scott and I and, and another gentleman who had unfortunately food poisoning last night, but I don't know how we would have all gotten enough time, given how much there was to cover just with the three of us. So. Can we give him a shout out just because he's feeling bad right now? Sure. Jamie Moorhead, wish you were here. Sorry you were sick. Um, <laughs> but uh, fantastic job. Thank you for stepping up. And um, maybe next time we'll, we'll have you on again. <laughs> Great. So, so Cleveland, I mean, since you're the moderator, let's, uh, let's start with you. So how did you kick it off? What were the first things you brought up? Well, first, I gave a brief history on uh, domestic violence with professional sports, uh, going back to the Ray Wright's incident, which blew the doors open with everything. We did want to address that domestic violence within professional sports is not a new issue, just as uh, Scott said, but because of the um, because of social media and because of the 24-hour news outlets, you know, all this information are at everyone's fingertips and anything happens within a second and the whole world finds out about it. So we kicked off with that and then gave a little brief history on the numbers of domestic violence incidences in the NFL. Between January 1st, 2000, and as recently as July 20th of this year, there's been 799 arrests involving NFL players. 99 of them were domestic abuse uh, issues. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's, that's actually a pretty shocking number. So, oh my goodness. So, the NFL, I mean, obviously, you know, pretty visible. And, uh, you know, um, uh, like you guys were saying before, obviously this is happening in other professional sports. So, why do you think there's so much attention spent on the NFL today? Well, well, let me first give you a little background, just the difference between Scott and I, and the reason it was a nice little balance is that Scott doesn't represent NFL players. He represents teams and people that are in charge of hiring players. I'm the opposite side. I'm a divorce lawyer, and we've represented 
a lot, a lot of NFL, NBA, and other uh, professional athletes, mainly in family law issues, but, you know, civil restraining orders, civil uh, family violence actions, and it bleeds over into spousal abuse and, and child abuse, so we associate criminal defense lawyers. So we had two completely different perspectives, just so you know, when I'm speaking and when Scott's speaking, um, the difference in perspective on that. But, Scott, I'm happy to follow your lead or... Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, let me rephrase the question. So, I mean, obviously, you know, like like you guys were saying, this isn't something new to our to our, our country and not new to society around the world, um, unfortunately. But uh, but the NFL's really been coming under scrutiny for this, and so you know, obviously, there's other professional sports out there: baseball, um, soccer. If you consider soccer a professional sport, oh come on! <laughs> right. I was at the Comcast. That, that was something. The, I'm just the, the kidding. That was that was for my father, who says that all the time. That's for you, Dad. I, I decided I'd uh, do a little jab at uh, well, soccer. I, I obviously love playing soccer when I was. In, but uh, but why the NFL? Why is the NFL falling under this so much? Because it's the NFL. I mean, when you're at the top of the mountain, everybody's looking at you. And, you know, unfortunately for a number of years, well, up till last winter, you know, the NFL really didn't have a program in place to address the issue. Anytime there was an issue of domestic abuse or something of that nature, you know, it was a, here's your two-game suspension, now go away and see you in two games. You know, with the, with the Ray Rice issue, you know, when you actually had video of an individual punching out his then fiance now wife, and then dragging her out of the elevator caveman style, you know, people are like, well, wait a minute. There's something wrong when you're only getting a two-game for this, a two-game suspension. And by comparison, I mean, look at what's happened within the last 24 hours. Yeah. You get a guy who lets some air out of some footballs, and they're giving him four games? So what you're saying is, you know, letting air out of footballs is twice as bad as beating your wife? You know, so I think, you know, it was... A combination of things. It was it was actually a perfect storm, or if you're the NFL or Roger Goodell, a very imperfect storm, uh, because it was who you are and how badly you would actually handle the issue up to that point. Yeah, you know, I, I, we had listen to talk radio all the time on sports, especially because uh, I'm from Denver and they're they're rebuilding the Broncos. So I've been tuning in, and uh, you know, that's that's the one thing that keeps coming out. It's like you know, by giving these suspensions out here, are you saying that this is equivalently wrong as something else? And one of the one of the commentaries was back that said there's there's a four game suspension coming on because it's written or I'm sorry forgive me I, I we're talking about drug testing mm-hmm. and so some of them using um, the substances are on the ban list you know they're saying oh you know you, you gave like a two and you're in Colorado yes okay and so yeah I'm sorry uh, you actually have drugs that are still illegal uh, <laughs> yes I think we do <laughs> so, but uh, but no I mean but the, you know the different the different punishments and so you're you know it's that that whole equivalency you know you give the same amount for for some Something that's not beating up somebody. And so how do you take these judgments seriously? And so one of the comments they said back was like, you know, this is actually a written rule. You know, this is in the agreement that you sign. And so here, here's the punishment for this. And but now you're on that slippery slope. So, you know, you've got but, these listed punishments. Go ahead. Well, let's not forget, you know, you have two enforcement mechanisms. I mean, there's the league that you're playing for. That's your boss. You know, right. your boss can say, I don't want to hire you because you smoke cigarettes or whatever it is. And then there's the law. And the law is what should really handle domestic violence. The rest of it is a whole mishmash of economical benefit, reputational benefit, is the league going to fold because the league isn't dealing with it? So the league's got to worry about a lot more than what's right or wrong. And I think that's sort of the miscommunication among the public is he beat his wife, the league should punish him. Well, yeah, but he beat his wife, the state, the government should punish him. And that should be the answer for the punishment. The rest of it is 
if the league wants people to watch the league and the people want, and the league wants people to buy league uniforms and, and watch it on TV, then what does the league have to do to make sure that people continue to watch it? It's a hard discussion to have because the discussion is not he beat his wife. What's the proper punishment for beating your wife? That's not the league's job. The league's job is to maintain a league so that people that like football can continue to watch it and that it's profitable and they can keep putting it on TV and, and having nice stadiums and nice venues and nice events. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation, but you can't help but have some cross-pollination with whoever's in charge saying, bottom line, it's a bad thing. We've got to discourage it. I agree with you. I agree with you, but I'm going to walk out on a limb here. So get ready. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying, you know, but, but we're lawyers, you know, we work in an industry where what we do in our private lives carries through in our professional lives. And we're found unfit at some point if we go way off, you know, way off out in the territory of, of doing wrongful things. And so as the NFL is, is, is a, you know, it's a, it's an entity, a private entity with, you know, franchise and owners and things like that. And they're worried about their image. I mean, and they're worried these guys are heroes to kids. And so I, I can see, you know, it's their business. Like they can do what they want. But I agree with you. I mean, the punishment shouldn't be, you know, the punishment part of it should be delved out. But why, why should you have to why should you have to keep on the uh, on salary that somebody that, that makes you look bad? Well, here's the deal. Roger Goodell or any commissioner of any professional football league has one job to monetize that league. Their job is not necessarily to make better human beings, to make society a better place. I mean, I know they, they, they like to think they do, but they're providers of entertainment. And their job is to monetize their product to the maximum extent possible. Now, Roger Goodell has a property that's a 12 to $14 billion industry. His job is to make it a 14 to $16 billion industry. So, but that being said, in order to properly monetize something, you have to protect the brand. You know, and, and I often say that Roger Goodell's main job is to protect the shield. You pr you've got to protect that NFL logoed shield. And, you, you ha and by doing that, you have to do things solely for purposes of public relations. You know, I mean, is it their job to punish spousal abusers or child abusers? Maybe, maybe not. But from a business side of things, they have to, because they have to protect the image of the league. And if they don't, the image takes a hit. And there are hundreds of examples in other fields. In politics, when a, a politician or a president does something that's unethical, and their spouse has a dilemma. And I think the dilemma and the, and the, end, the end result is support him publicly and criticize him privately. And that's, you know, th that happens in all sorts of areas. And it happens, we talked about on the panel, Ray Rice's wife. Why is she standing up for him? Well, I'm sure she's not happy with him, and I'm sure she's very upset at him, and I'm sure she wants him to exact as much vengeance as she can possibly get. She's entitled to feel that way. But she also wants her family to be well-funded, and she wants her husband to have a job. So if she comes out publicly and says he's the worst guy in the world, that does not help him get a job. So, you know, there are people that have different goals than just punishing this person. That, you know, Cleveland's job is to act on behalf of all of us as citizens of the United States and say the citizens of the United States or the state of Alabama don't want you to do this, and here's the, the punishment that's prescribed for this, and that's his job. He's not the commissioner of the NFL, not yet. <laughs> and, uh, and he's been quiet, too, so I want to bring him into this. I just, right. I'm going to loop him back in. So, now, Cleve, what do you think? Do you think the NFL needs to get into this enforcement? Uh, you know, I mean, you're hearing this. I mean, we've got, we have justice systems. We have a law and punishment that handles this. You know, do you think the NFL really needs to get on this to protect its image, to make sure that the game maintains integrity? I think they're already doing it to protect their image. What needs to be done is more rehabilitation. Okay. There's nothing going to help the, the athlete if you just suspend them or take away their, their Who income. Who pays for the re rehabilitation? You're talking about the NFL doing that? NFL doing that, okay. yes. There's no one doing that. You know, we have these problems reoccurring, reoccurring, reoccurring. 
but the problem doesn't get fixed. Okay, you suspend him, you take away his money, he comes back to the league. What happens? He beats an, you know he beats another uh, another, another woman. Prime example is, uh, is um, Lawrence Phillips. Uh, back in the '90s, we were talking about this earlier when he was at Nebraska. He had domestic uh, domestic issues with a girlfriend, dragged her down a flight of stairs. Tom Osborne covered it up at uh, Nebraska. He gets drafted by the Rams. Same thing happens. He gets another uh, dispute. He uh, he gets cut by the Rams. Goes to Miami. Same thing happens within two games. He gets cut. He goes to Canada. Same thing happens again. He's pretty much blackballed by the league. And so what happens? He's no longer playing football. Now he's he ran over three teenagers and had seven warrants out for arrest for beating another woman, his ex-girlfriend. So there was no rehabilitation there. Had this happened early on in his career while he was in college, maybe some of that would have been curtailed you know, before it got to that point. Now he's in jail, and I think right now he's um, he's a suspect in a killing of an of, an, of another inmate. So, again, had there been something done way back when, ten years ago, when he was just entering the NFL, some rehabilitation on top of suspensions and fines and everything, maybe he wouldn't be in a situation that he's in now. The NFL are still not doing that, even with the new policy. They're saying, okay, well, we're going to fine you. We're going to have this, you know, uh, independent investigation. And we're going to give you a uh, discipline. But nowhere in that model was there any sort of rehabilitation that goes along with that. Let me have a uh, devil's advocate gripe. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and I hear what you say, and I think it's a good thing. I think that, you know, we want to rehabilitate people. We want to stop them from doing bad things. And I I don't have any disagreement with that. But I do have a disagreement with who pays for it. Because we've got businesses out there. Now, what if this NFL model, you know, for people, because... You know, people that do bad things work in all fields. You know, what if this translates to every business owner out there? So now in addition to, you know, doing your W-2s and, and hiring your 1099s, you also have to be looking out for the mental well-being of your, of your employees, making sure that they get therapy, making sure they're not doing things. You have to watch them now off the clock. I mean, I just look at that as a regulatory hazard when you start translating it to every business. So well, before, okay. there is nothing comparable to the NFL. I mean, even the other professional sports leagues, some, to some degree, don't compare to the NFL. But what I would argue is that's a cost of doing business. You know, is it your is it your responsibility? No. Is it something you should do if only for business reasons? Absolutely. So yeah, if you are, if you do have a CEO of a Fortune five company. You know, should that company be picking up the cost of rehabilitating a CEO or a CFO or some sort of face ambassador who has a habit of engaging in domestic violence? I'd say yes. And, and whether you want to do it because of altruism or making the world a better place, I mean, that's fine. But, I mean, if you're doing it out of pure greed, I mean, it's a cost of doing business and, you know, it's going to help you monetize your business by at le- or at least not devalue your business. Right. I mean, the problem is if the league doesn't do it, you know who it falls to? It falls to the unions, the Players Association, the NFL Players Association. Why, why does it fall to the union? Because the union, their job is to protect players when nobody else will, right? And they're, they're the ones who fight for them to have, you know, a higher salary cap so they can earn more money, to have the better pension plans, to have the better medical insurance coverage, to the, the concussion cases and all that. And the problem, the real problem is the people that pay the dues – um, you know, the players, there are only so many players. The league can punish a, an active player and say, Tom Brady, you're not going to play for two games. What can the league really do for a former player? But the union, they've got to protect these players for life. So they've got a lot of responsibility. There's retired. Scott Scott's saying no, The players union, <laughs> no. if you're not a member of the union no, anymore, once, you're not. Once, once you're retired, you're no longer part of the bargaining well, unit. You're no longer protected by okay. the union. That's why the retired players get screwed so bad. Oh, yeah, we'll cut that out. No, it's <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. I'll put the explicit content yeah. uh, button on there for no, you. But no, that's, that's, why, that's why retired players, I mean, they don't really but have even a worse. The table. But even worse, because the retired players are the ones that really need the resources. And we all know that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 
the players that were the superstars weren't making what the superstars are making now. In fact, the superstars 20 years ago are not making what the league minimums are now, and they're really struggling, and they have all the pressures that we all know about. When you're out of the league, you have financial issues, you have spousal issues, you're not the superstar that you used to be, they're all the psychological issues. It's, I mean, we're talking about active players having these issues. Just think about, you know, if the average lifespan in the NFL is three years, I mean, how many retired or former NFL players are there out there that had the same mentalities and the same issues and were competitive and had the same pressures and probably had a lot of the same conduct that the current players have, but they don't have the NFL to stand up for them now or the NFL Players Association. It's a shared responsibility. I think the league and the union both need to be actively involved. And, I mean, again, if it's even if they're only doing it for business purposes, fine. But I think they actually have a, another obligation as well to, to do that for the benefit of their employees and or their bargaining unit. But you're right, Scott. It's, you know, and it's a monopoly. And you have different... You know, Kathy Truett from Chick-fil-A has his philosophy on how he runs his business. And some people like it, some people don't like it. He's got a lot of ethics and a lot of religion involved in the way he runs it, but it's his company, he can do it that way. There's not a competitive league. You can't say, well, I don't like the way the NFL runs its league. So you're hoping the NFL does the right thing. But if it doesn't, I'm a football fan. I can't go watch somebody else and get as much joy from watching it. I mean, I love the New Orleans Saints, and I'm not going to find another team that I like as much as them. So, you know, we're hoping they do the right thing, but there's not as much checks and balances. There's not a lot of pressure to make them do the right thing. Uh, and, and it's a recipe for disaster if they don't do it because it's the right thing to do. All right, last question, and it may not make me very popular at this table, So, and I want you all to answer it uh, to the degree you feel comfortable. So I think that there's definitely a slippery slope here because I have just my observations in law. You know, once, once a company starts doing something, then all of a sudden they have to start doing something. And then in the absence of them doing something, they become liable for lawsuits. So right now, they're not liable for providing therapy to prevent players from uh, committing crimes and and they're not you know liable for a lot of things you know for players in, in their post years I do find myself concerned with the precedent you know the NFL or even their union getting involved in some of these uh, what what happens to other businesses oh, the NFL that's their business right if it stays there okay that's one thing that's one business but we all know that slippery slope in law you know often trickles down it's like hey this is a really great idea and now we're going to raise the cost of business so I want everybody to react to that, and we'll close it out. Cleveland, can we start with you? Sure. I don't see this uh, being any different as businesses offering a treatment program for, uh, for those who are addicted to drugs. A lot of businesses do that. They offer some sort of rehabilitation. They offer some sort of treatment. You know, um, you know, I think the NFL does it. I know I'm a big wrestling fan, so I can say the WWE does it. Oh, yeah, you know, WWE, not the uh, Greco-Roman wrestling? What, that wrestling? No. Okay, <laughs> all right. The real wrestling, as we say down south, wrestling. wrestling. <laughs> yeah, but the WWE, they treat their uh, their athletes who are addicted to pain medications or anything else that come up uh, positive. They treat them to rehab services. This is no different. I think that businesses should be able to to offer some sort of rehabilitation if they have a problem with domestic abuse. Again, there's no difference. Just whether there's some sort of counseling that's involved, some sort of intensive treatment, anything that can help them curb this and do some sort of rehabilitation on top of the suspension. Again, the suspension is not going to do anything. It's not going to solve anything. It's not going to – you can't unhit someone. You can't unhurt someone. You know, it's just only going to continue unless some measures are, are put in place to stop it. So Cleveland disagrees with me. How about you, Scott? I absolutely disagree with you as well. Um, <laughs> you know, you call it a slippery slope. I call them being a leader for change. Okay, all right. That's <laughs> you know, well, I mean, it's, well said. It's you know, it's if, if they if they inspire other companies to do the right thing for on any number of levels, I don't see that being an, I don't see that being a bad thing. That's Lawrence one and the panel two. So, all right, we're going to finish up with you, Randy. Look, the bottom line is doing the right thing is so often good for business. And I think this is just another example of that. When you do the right thing, it's good for business. When you have a visible business, a, a business that depends on consumers, average American consumers, doing the right thing is going to help them in the long run. So I, 
you know, I don't worry about being a slippery slope. If, you know, sometimes people get in trouble because they didn't provide counseling or help because the NFL did, then that's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. Well, we've definitely run out of time for our show today, but I want to thank you guys uh, for coming over here and allowing me to say slippery slope and disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time since law school in the slippery slope days, right? I actually forgot it. what it was. Well, <laughs> next, is, next, Scott's going to talk about the rule against perpetuities. Oh, no. Not that. Please, not that. <laughs> no, Scott won't be. All right, we'll, we'll have the statute of frauds as well. <laughs> oh, God, here it comes. In the Shelley's case. All right, well, this has been another edition of Special Reports. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Until next time, thank you for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.